Hello there. Welcome to the Heavy Hole. My name is Tom. Oh, boy. My name is Big Shredded Wheaties, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. I like that. My name is Justin. How are you guys doing? Uh, it's it's a humdinger out there. And amidst this uh, political turmoil and constant downhill slide of the year 2020, we are struggling to give you the best underground death metal and extreme music-related content we can. Because that's all we're good for over here. It's it's wild. How are you guys holding up? What's up? Personally, on a selfish end, I, I'm doing very well because I'm taking care of my health. Just cut out some red meat. Been working out a lot. I feel very good. Hmm. Yeah, on okay. this new regiment. No cheese either. But I feel good. I've been waking up feeling like more refreshed. Amazing. You got this glow to you right now. It's, it's nice. Nice to see. Turn the brightness down on my monitor. <laughs> yeah, you just brightened up the whole mood over it. It's great, man. I, I love it, Tom. <laughs> that's that's beautiful. It's inspiring. Uh, didn't expect it. Not, not that I, I would doubt you. I mean, nowadays, correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe a lot of our listeners uh, could correct me on this, there are a lot of soy-based cheese substitutes available on the market. This is like 2020, right? You go to Whole Foods, you're good to go, right? That is that's, true, that's, but I'm under that impression. I, I just I would uh, avoid the soy, uh, personally. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let's put it this way. There's plenty of other things for me to eat. I don't need a, a cheese substitute right off the bat, but thank you for thinking about me. <laughs> Okay, okay, all right. Well, you know, I, I'm not substituting anything over here, man. I got uh, my vegetable garden going, growing corn, growing peppers, tomatoes, tomatoes. I don't care what you say. What do you say, Justin? What's going on, man? How's the wood shop? Uh, the wood shop's good, man. Uh, I'm, it's funny because I'm actually coming off of a really, like, elaborate cheese plate that I just made and consumed before recording right now. Um, You're going to be all right for the whole yeah, podcast? Oh, I, it gave me the ultimate power uh, to be with you guys tonight. Uh, yeah, man, Woodshop's good. Cranking things out. Um, not really. I uh, haven't really done Whoa. much this week. <laughs> Hope you clean it up. Hope you clean it up when you're done there. Thanks for asking, though. Oh, you know, I appreciate it. And the shop, you know, she appreciates it as well. Good, cool. good. Yeah, I actually uh, I got out of the house today. I have a glow about me as well, but it's um, solar-powered uh, skin cancer. I, I was out in the sun all day today um, uh, fishing. First time fishing out uh, for the season today. Went fishing for fluke with the old man. Oh, you did go with your dad. Uh, didn't right, catch. Good. Getting out of the house. Yes, nice. yes. The old yeah, flats. We're, we're good. Yeah, we're good. We've been we've been we've been up in the house for like three months now, man. I've been back to work and here and there and taking care of some things. But yeah, we got out of the house today. We went fishing. Didn't catch anything out there in Huntington Harbor today. Beautiful day for the eyes. Not so much for the fishing pole. Couple of uh, underweight fluke, uh, oh, undersized yeah. fluke. Uh, a beautiful sea bass that was uh, allegedly out of season, so we threw it back. Um, but that's how that's how the game goes. Uh, you know what I mean, man? You got to roll with the punches. Yeah. And on that's that note. They, that's why they don't call it catching, Will. But you know. <laughs> that's Yeah, they, they said that one. Shout to, shout to Big Joe and the, uh, and the James Joseph uh, charter boat out in Huntington there. But, yeah, another guy that rolls with the punches, um, rocks with the waves. We're going to get him on the horn tonight. We got Mike Mayo guitarist of the band's Ground and Waking the Cadaver. Uh, we're going to find out all about uh, his journeys and his trials and tribulations with these bands through the scene, through the years. Tom, put them on. Right, Heavy Hole Podcast. We're here with uh, Mike Mayo from uh, the band's Ground and Waking the Cadaver. How you doing, Mike? I'm good. I'm good. I'm chilling. All right, man. Uh, awesome, man. We appreciate your time. And, um, you know, we, we, we got a lot of questions about Ground, Waking the Cadaver, and other things, too, because I always do my homework. But um, you're, uh, you're the guitarist of Ground and Waking the Cadaver currently, like we said, and you're originally from South Jersey? Yep, that's correct. Right outside of Philadelphia. Yeah, and I was gonna say we actually talked about that about the, um, the the how Philly and South Jersey are adjacent uh, on the episode we did with Rob Wharton of Cognitive, um, and how how that's it, South Jersey is its own kind of thing compared to like North Jersey, which is a little bit more close, you know, closer to New York City and such. Um, 
But uh, maybe could you talk a little bit? Uh, are you from like a musical background in terms of your family members or, uh, or you know, a family environment that was uh, friendly or hostile to extreme music in any way? Um, you know, no, none of my parents played music or anything, but when they knew I wanted to play guitar, they were like super stoked on that. And uh, my father bought me my first guitar, and, and they were totally into like 80s hair metal and shit. Like, I grew up with like Motley Crue and, you know, Skid Row and shit like that. So they were like, you know, headbangers themselves, I guess. So when anyone wanted to play like guitar and heavy music, they thought it was cool. You know, and then once I started getting into like extreme music, they were like, eh, you know, it's not my cup of tea, but you know, they were supportive, you know. What kind of guitar did they get you? I got it. It was like a Fernandez. It was some, it was a Fernandez guitar. It's, it's pretty crazy. My uh, my dad didn't have the cash to buy me one, and uh, his grandfather uh, was like a big clarinet player. He used to play with like Benny Goodman and stuff. Oh and no way! He sold his clarinet. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And he, he he fucking sold his grandfather's clarinet to get enough scratch to buy me uh my first guitar and amp and Damn. stuff. So. So I'll never, I'll never get rid of that guitar, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Wow. Yeah, awesome. it was pretty cool, you know? He, he was very supportive of me. That's very symbolic. That's amazing. I mean, you know, you are from a musical background, then, in terms of uh, just, you know, g- genetics or whatever you want to call it, man. That's pretty uh, interesting. And then the transfer, almost like a transfer of energy of the instruments there, you know what I mean? Um Instruments have been it's instruments have been sold uh, for far less noble causes. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> True. What inspires you to want to play guitar in the first place back in the day? Then, uh, you know, like just watching like the videos my parents would watch on you know back you know back in the early nineties. I always just thought it looked cool. I love the sound of it, the story of the guitar, you know. And then you know, I think like you know, I really started getting into music myself probably in like you know like second grade or so i was like getting real into like the offspring and music like that and yeah i just wanted to you know make distorted guitar music and uh you know yeah man my father got you know got me my first guitar i was uh it was all go from there (laughs) i haven't stopped playing (laughs) so where do things go like more underground and extreme because you end up um as i want to talk about um when we get to it kind of straddling the hardcore and the death metal scene in different ways, which which is a big thing regionally um, in New York and New Jersey. But like that's kind of like um, where does it start for you to, to go to underground shows and stuff like that? Um, I probably, I've probably started going to underground shows, like you know, local shows. Definitely in high school, I went to like my first local shows, and you know, it was predominantly hardcore shows that I was going to. And to be honest with you, in high school, I. I really didn't like hardcore all that much, you know? Like, a couple of my buddies, like my best friends, they were totally into hardcore, but I, at that point, I was, like, getting into death metal. So, you know, we would always, like, you know, joke and clown each other, but, uh, you know, I told them guys to go into the shows. I was like, man, I, I really like this shit. This shit's kind of cool, you know? Like, you know, the breakdowns and stuff. So I always wanted to incorporate that into the death metal, you know? So, um, you know... After, you know, like, when I started being able to write my own songs, I was like, you know, what would impress my friends, too? And then, you know, that's when the hardcore came in. And then, you know, naturally I became a fan of hardcore music. Is your first band uh, The Adept? Um, I guess, like, my first, like, real band. I mean, when I was in eighth grade, I had a, a new metal band. <laughs> Tony Pisa, uh, and, you know, Rob from Cognitive, he was also in The Adept. He, he used to see, <laughs> see my new metal band play, you know, in eighth grade. That was pretty awful. But, uh, I, I mean, I, I guess my first, like, real deal band would have been, I guess, The Adept, yes. Okay, yeah, because, um, and you, you put out the, uh, uh, cat- I'm sorry, Catastrophic uh, Ecstasy album in 2008, right? Yeah, yeah, we put that out, um, self-released that. Yeah, and so Rob Wharton was in that band, too, so, again, you know, we, we, we brought that up again in Rob's interview, and um, so... Are you guys from the same area? Like, did you go to school together? Where's the connection? Uh, Rob's older than me. He's got, like, four or five years on me. Um, like I said, I, I had a new metal band back in the day, and we would play, like, backyard shows. And uh, Rob had a band that was, like, far more way, you know, they were more like a like metalcore, like, God forbid type band. And, uh, you know, me and my friends, we looked up to, to him. You know, don't tell him that now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, look, we looked up to <laughs> him. 
He's already listening, man, and taking notes. You know, you know, he busts balls, man. Shout out to Rob. This is the last interview where anyone's going to shout you out, man. Stop playing, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. So yeah, we saw, you know, we saw each other jam and stuff like that. And then I had moved to Florida um, in like ninth grade. I lived there for like a year. And then when I came back, um, uh, Rob was looking for members to jam with him. And I, at that point, I got a lot better at guitar because I was playing guitar every day. And uh, just started jamming, and the adept was pretty much a result of me and Rob's uh, totally different mentalities uh, of extreme music. You know, Rob at the time was very much into the Dillinger Escape Plan and Candiria and Between the Buried and Me. And at that time, I was very much into, you know, Cannibal Corpse, Nile, Cryptopsy. So the adept's kind of a weird, weird juxtaposition of, uh, that's how you say the word, uh, of styles. It's, kind of like a mixture of everything yeah it, it makes sense when you when you listen to the band like where you know where your heads were at um but also so around that time like maybe what a year or two later you end up in waking the cadaver with uh rob wharton right like 2010 because you're on beyond cops beyond god the 2010 full length the second album right yeah i i joined waking the cadaver in um 2008 the end of 2008 um so oh, yeah, I, actually okay. first, I actually first heard the band uh at rob's house my buddy called me up and was like yo you got to check out this new band they're fucking crazy whatever and uh so you know me and rob listened to it and i was like this shit sucks you know <laughs> and me i was actually like <laughs> yeah yeah i'll tell you and, uh, you know, me, uh, I was like, at that time, I was, like, just dabbling with, like, the Dower and the Discord. So I was already, like, accustomed to, like, guttural vocals and stuff. So uh, I joined, you know, I, I, was, I became a huge fan of them. Uh, and, I, you know, I went and saw them there a couple times and thought they were pretty cool. Um, and then I would always keep my eye uh, on their MySpace back in the day because I knew they had troubles with their guitar player. Um, like, I seen one time they kicked out a guitarist. They brought him back in. They, Another guy quit. He came back in. So I was like, man, it's, you know, if that one of those guys, you know, leaves, I'm going to try and hop in there. So one day I popped on MySpace and uh, seen that uh, they were looking for a guitar player. So I just sent him uh, a video of me jamming with the Adept and, you know, showed him my skills and stuff. And they asked me to try out. Take, are you, how much involved are you in the writing process of Beyond Cops, Beyond God? I wrote 50% of that album. Uh, when we started writing that album, uh, Rob wasn't in the band, actually, for the first like half of the writing. So, but, you know, the first half of the writing was done by me and this kid, Alex. Um, and then the kid, Alex, didn't work out, and um, he was kicked out. And then that's when I brought in Rob, because I knew Rob. And then Rob wrote about half the album, too. But I say, as far as riff-wise, uh, you know, about 50% of those riffs are me. Okay, man, and that's so. This is this is what I'm getting at too, man. Because um, both your bands uh, and you and something you've done very well is play it off have been, uh, I guess we'll say, um, denigrated by certain parts of the of, of the scene, um, uh, memes. And you guys and I and, and I, you know, I say I, I put it that way not to be blunt, but because you guys just put it right about face and you shine it on, and that seems to be almost a strategy. Um, whenever someone tries to come at you, uh, and and with waking the cadaver, I've had this discussion with other people where I say, uh, maybe not sonically or compositionally, but th- it has a similarity to Eat Town Concrete in that it's something you really don't understand unless you're from the region. Maybe certain other people outside the region can enjoy it, but it's very difficult to wrap your mindset around your your head around that mindset unless you're from like the tri-state area or other uh, environments, maybe like like similar to, to New York City and uh, New Jersey, Long Island, Staten Island, things of that nature. Is that would, is that a fair assessment? I, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Um, I especially think that's true. Definitely, like ten years ago, when when it was still pretty fresh. You know, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think I think a lot more people are, are getting it. You know, I think like uh, you know, you you know, you're, like you know, Europeans are you know getting it, you know appreciating the you know like the more mosh oriented you know internal bleeding type death metal. You know, like, I, at least that's what I noticed. I'm starting to see like more more people kind of understand that and gravitate towards it. But I certainly think uh, you know us living here definitely has a huge impact on that. 
Yeah, man, and uh, you know, and shout to um, uh, we we recently interviewed uh, Lennon O'Donnell um, of Pestalectomy, and in that interview, we talked a little bit about epicardiectomy uh, and the whole slam thing, and how it's even it's gotten a little bit out of my hands as uh, as a fan, and I'm trying to understand it. And and you say, you know, yeah, ten years ago, you guys were a little ahead of your time with that. Because now you have, like we said, Epicardiectomy is kind of the most identifiable band, but it's a whole movement of bands now that I guess you could say you guys were a little bit ahead of the curve on that, and also from, like, the original stomping grounds or that sort of thing, just being from the tri-state area. You know, even, I mean, you could even say East Coast, whatever you want to say, down, you know, down to Philly, too, because I'm sure Philly plays an important part in um, the band as well, right? You know, you know to be honest with you, uh, Philly never really, we never really got much love in Philly waking the cadaver. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's the Philly hipster thing or something, but they never really well received that uh, in Philly. You know, my band ground, uh, Philly's our home, you know, people love us out there. But Wake and the Cadaver, we kind of stuck, stuck, you know, playing uh, North Jersey shows and uh, kind of like more catered to, the, to that crowd, you know, the Gutter Christ crowd. Yeah, all right, true, man. So, uh, well, maybe that's a good point, too. Where, because you waking the cadaver, especially um, in the in the earlier days, it was kind of synonymous with uh, Gutter Christ, right? And he was booking a lot of shows. You guys have headlined a lot of gigs for him, right? Oh yeah, I mean, before I was in the band, I thought Gutter was part of the band. <laughs> I was saying that you know, like I was in waking the cadaver, you know. <laughs> Maybe could you speak just a little bit to his role? Because people, a lot of people know him now, of course, through social media, uh, and he, he's grown, you know, he's grown into kind of like a bigger figure. But like maybe like ten years ago, could you talk about his role in the New Jersey scene uh, in that era and the, some of the early shows he booked and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, when I joined uh, the band and you know started going, to, you know, to the shows, I was probably around like 2008 or so. And I think had been booking before that too, but that's at least when I started seeing it. And he was like. He was booking on like the majority of our, you know, Jersey shows and uh, New York shows, and uh, it was sick back then, man. I hate to be like a boomer, like it was way better back then, but it, it was really, it was really an awesome time, uh, you know, like the, uh, the yeah. New Jersey Death Fest. I mean, I, I look forward to them every year. They were, they were fucking amazing. You know, I was like, and you were seeing cool, you know, like you were seeing bands like Mortician and Incantation playing with bands like, you know, Waking the Cadaver and Without Remorse, like. It was kind of like our scene, you know, we kind of had that, you know, appreciation for the old school brutal death metal, but we all like to, you know, beat the shit out of each other during breakdowns, too. So, you know, during yeah. those times, it was like funny seeing a bunch of people with like fitted hats and shit, but, you know, rocking out the incantation, which, you know, nowadays, uh, that's not too uncommon, but back then, that was, that was something I kind of only really saw going to like Gutter Christ shows and shit. Yeah, and that again speaks to here we are in 2020 where um, I guess you could say people from the hardcore scene being more influenced by death metal to the point of mortician and incantation. We've talked about that a great deal on the show. That's kind of like the climate now is everybody's on this OSDM thing because there are a lot of people who grew up on hardcore that are finding out about all this classic death metal for the first time, you know? So, um, and some of them are our listeners, you know? So I'm not going to talk shit. <laughs> but it, you know, it is a thing, man. Um, so, Waking the Cadaver, um, you know, you guys, in 2013, you release, uh, um, Real Life Death, right? And that's the final album. Um, you tour with Dying Fetus, Exhumed, and Abiotic, and eventually the band breaks up. Could you maybe just take us through that process of the album to the band disbanding? Yeah, that album, I mean, musically, I was very, um, like, happy with how that album was sounding. I wanted to push, uh push the boundaries of the band you know the band was kind of known as like a sloppy you know band kind of like a joke to a lot of people and i really wanted to like you know up the game on the guitar playing especially um and i think everything got a little bit better i mean it's it's you no know, technical masterpiece or anything like that but i just wanted to you know see if i can like improve the music of the band and uh you know we dropped that album we were very very proud of it um that time that we were like fighting a lot inside the band and uh, we, we had the tour with uh, Dying Fetus, as, as you mentioned, and Exhumed, which, by the way, Devourment was supposed to be on that tour, too. So, I mean, for, for me oh, at that man. time in my life, to do a tour with Exhumed, Dying Fetus, and Devourment, like, it was like a dream come fucking true, you know? Unfortunately, Devourment couldn't, couldn't make that tour, but... So we did, we did that tour. Um, we, I think it was like... We did three weeks of it. 
I was unable to do the whole thing because of my job. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the tensions were rising in the band. And I, I knew on that tour that I, I wouldn't continue with the band anymore and that I would go to school and pursue a career and stuff. Um, so on the last day of the tour, that was the last time I talked to uh, some old members, actually. You know, we came home and like, I never talked to those people again. I just we walked away from the band and pretty much through email, it was uh, established that we were done. We weren't going to do it anymore. Wow. Symbolic, man. Wow. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was a bummer. It was a bummer because at that point, it was, you know, being in that band, you know, going to Europe and touring the U.S. and Canada, that was the coolest thing in my life and it was gone, you know. At that point, I kind of had to rebuild, you know. I was like, man, like that was kind of what I identified as. Like, um, you know, I play in this death metal band that tours and shit. And now I have, you know, I wasn't doing that anymore. Wow. So, because this is something that, that is very common. I've experienced it uh, as well throughout certain periods of my life. Um, and, and I think a lot of people, uh, artists maybe, are grappling with this um, in this day and age right now where we uh, aren't playing concerts and doing what we've maybe taken for granted that we've been able to do so long. Um, you identify as, as your art and your music and all that sort of thing. You even illustrated something I was going to ask you about is the difference between um, Beyond Cops, Beyond God, and Real Life Death. You did want to up the writing uh, and confront some of the criticism about the band being like a joke band or whatever. And then after all that work to up the ante a little bit, uh, like you said, now you have to struggle to, to, to rebuild your identity. Could you could you speak to that? Because that's something I think is more common in music and art than we realize. People build their whole identity around something, and then in their 20s or 30s, they have to completely switch gears. It's something that would uh, I would appreciate your input on, too. Oh, sure. Well, right when Waken did that last tour, um, my band Ground had just started, too. So that was kind of like, it was such a refreshing thing. You know, my whole life, I... You know, really loved death metal, and you know, for years up to that point, I was playing death metal a lot. You know, playing in Ground, which is a, a grindcore power violence band, was like new for me. You know, so um, so that was kind of like my new thing. You know, that was my new baby. So you know, we did. I, I did the waking tour, quit, went to so going to school, and you know, my new thing was I, I play in this band. I play some local shows, and I just want to write, record music. I don't care about being big. I don't care about touring. And, you know, I just want to play music that makes me happy. And that's kind of like became my new identity for a while. That was probably, that was in 2013. So, I mean, it's been like seven years now. And I just started focusing all my attention on, on that, you know. And yeah. it's nice, too, because, you know, Waken wasn't really my band. You know, I joined the band on the second album. And, you know, a lot of people, <laughs> you know, they only really care about the, you know, the old stuff, you know, so I always do tiny shows, people are like, oh, I love Blood Splatter and Satisfaction, and I'm like, all right, cool, yeah, for a million times. So it was cool to, like, you know, start playing something different that was that was my baby, and, you know, I could really put my personality in that band, too, because I'm a fan of, you know, grindcore and hardcore, and I can kind of, like, throw in everything I like without worrying about what people have to say or anything, you know, because at that time, you know, nobody really knew that band ground at all. Yeah, um, and and that's that's true too because Ground I believe started in 2012, right? Yeah, that's when we first started. Yeah. Okay, so before we get into um, uh, waking the cadavers, kind uh, kind of newer modern run. I also and, I, and, just, and also maybe just to cap off that story, I don't know how much of your personal life you're comfortable with sharing. But I do know that you did follow through on some of um, that that schooling that you wanted to do, and you are uh, in, in more of a productive, uh, I guess, career, you could say now, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have a problem talking. I, I went to school to become a nurse, actually. I'm like, yeah. I, get, I get jerked around a lot. People call me Gaylord Fokker, <laughs> like from the parents. But, yeah, I'm a nurse now, and which, you know... Which is great because, you know, now I have more time than ever to, to do the music thing, you know. Now I got paid time off and I can go take time off and, and go to Europe for two weeks, you know. Whereas before I was going to Europe and like, I, I got to figure out how I'm going to pay my car bill when I get home, you know. Like, so, you know, I, I always tell people, especially younger people, you know, not to sound like a boomer, but, uh, you know, if you focus on getting your career you know settled you can, you'll have more time for music and you don't have to um you know you don't have to be like living and struggling just to go on tour and stuff you know you can have your hobby and then 
you know, have a vacation, <laughs> like going out on tour and hanging out with your boys and playing music, you know? Yeah, uh, 100%. And I've said the same thing um, many times over to some younger people I've, I've met in the scene and younger musicians. Um, is you, you if you start when you're young, you get a job where you could retire from one day or something of that nature, or you or you go into business for yourself. You you you. A lot of people sometimes, if you work um, in, for the education system, school buses, uh, or any other type of seasonal job, there's ways where you can get weeks at a time off, on either in the winter or the summer. But plan it out and think about it, and think about a career because not everybody is going to end up Barney Greenway. Or George Corpse Grinder Fisher, um, you know, and even those guys are not living uh, like the life of luxury. They're working very hard, you know, for what they do. It's funny you say that, actually, too, because um, you know we did a tour with Napalm Death in 2010 in Europe, mm-hmm. and, and Napalm Death's my all-time favorite band. They were the band that got me into death metal when I was like 15, and <laughs> Barney was the one that actually really like kind of banged that in my head while I was on tour with him. He would always be like. <laughs> Go get a career, mate. <laughs> He's like, telling me, like, you don't want to do this for the rest of your life. You know, it's a different climate these days. Go get a real job, you know. And, uh, and it was, I really took those words to heart. And that's when I really started, like, you know, pursuing a career. You know, when I came home, started thinking about a career in the medical field and stuff like that. So it's funny you mentioned Barney, because <laughs> he was definitely one of the people telling me when I was 21, like, <laughs> get a job, dude. <laughs> like, you know, and, you know. Uncle Barney Greenway, uh, yeah, Uncle Barney Greenway, uh, changing with the times, keeping it real, and giving uh, good advice that you followed through on. This is a wholesome podcast. Uh, I want to start exercising like Tom uh, and eating right. I, I want to start building things with my hands like Justin, and I want to get a career uh, like you, man. This is good. This is good. Uh, that, that's no good on all you guys, man. That's good shit. Uh, uh, and good ah. on Barney. Shout, shout to Barney. Um, the phone. The, our, my line's always open. <laughs> we'll put it that way for the podcast. Of course, especially now. Now, now he sounds even cooler. But um, we're talking to Mike Mayo, uh, not only of Waking the Cadaver, but of Ground. So, Mike, so I, I got a couple of questions about Ground. Um, I, I've been a little bit more. Uh, in touch with ground um, over the years, then waking the cadaver in terms of like playing shows together, booked you guys once on Long Island, so on. So you you, you were there too, um, and I got some questions. Ground starts off more in the power violence arena, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Power violence, grind core, but we kind of like to keep it a mixed bag. So you got you know some death metal in there, and, and maybe sometimes you can call it black metal. I guess I don't know, not really, but sometimes. <laughs> So, some black yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you just gotta keep throwing labels until one sticks man <laughs> yeah it's just a whole yeah, yeah. bunch of shit whatever I'm listening to it that week it like becomes a ground breath you know hell yeah man that's, more people should write music like that just whatever you're feeling man no walls well yeah to, and to, something I was you know say to illustrate that point of the band on um, your 2016 release Squalor uh, there are two covers, one by Mad, one a cover of a Madball song, and the next a cover of a Mortician song. And I feel like you guys were the only band I could think of that could do both of those covers, and they would both totally make sense for the band. And neither, like, it just works. Yeah, they're two of my favorite bands, too, and two of my biggest influences for the for Crown, so, which are, you know, complete polar opposites, you know? <laughs> but yeah, it's funny, I remember, like, if we decided to do two covers on that album because we usually try to do a cover on every release but we did a split with the band Bandit before that drop and we didn't have a cover song so I was like hey let's do two covers on this next one and we did the Mortician one and, and then the Metal one yeah it's just it's funny because you know any other band if they did those two covers maybe one would work but I don't know about you know both but it speaks to the nature of the band and you guys eventually uh you know, you, you st- I, I know we mentioned you guys in our interview with uh, Jimmy Forrester of Extreme Metal Memes um, because you guys were, early, again, early in the game using memes to promote the band, shining on criticism. Uh, where does the false grind thing come? Because you guys label yourself false grind, right? Yeah, yeah. So, all right, um, this is it. Uh, I'll explain the whole false grind thing. Uh, so, you know, growing up in, like, you know, they were at 2005, 2006, Insect Warfare, one of my favorite bands ever. They were always, like, against false grind. And, and during those times, when they said false grind, they were talking more about bands like The Locust, 
the number 12 looks like you. You know, like the hipstery, artsy-fartsy, noise, metalcore type stuff. So I always thought that was hilarious. They even had a shirt that said death, death of a false grind and it was a kid in a locust shirt getting killed by an insect. And I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> so when we started Ground, um, I didn't want to be just a traditional grindcore band. I wanted to, you know, mix mosh elements to it. I wanted to, you know, kind of make it like a really hardcore heavy grindcore band. Um, and I knew people would say, this isn't real grindcore, you know? So I kind of like, just started throwing that, you know, in a purse, like, you know, we're not real grindcore, we're, we're false grind, and, and you know, we, we never, like, put that on our merch, or we never, like, advertised it that way, but, you know, on our memes and, and such, we would kind of say that, and then it started catching on, and then it, it, it's become, like, a, 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 like, almost like a scene now. I got, like, you know, a lot of friends and stuff who identify as false grind, you know, we got, you know, ground, we got bandit. Uh, there's a band from uh, uh, Pennsylvania called Shotzi. They identify as false grind. No Moss from D.C. And it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's like a positive spin on false grind. Whereas before it was, you know, used to degrade these bands that weren't really grindcore at all. And we kind of make it a positive spin as in like, we really are grindcore bands at heart, but we don't, you know, succumb to the traditional you know, just blast beats nonstop. We we want to you know we want to have some party risk and some mosh parts. We want to get the crowd involved a little bit more. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So false grind. I learned something new tonight. We've learned. Uh, shout to Tom right now wearing the Maggot Stomp Records shirt. We learned about caveman death metal on our journey already. Now tonight we're learning about false grind. New movements in death metal. Um, I'm not. I'm. I'm not even uh, making light of this, man. It's interesting to me how these waves kind of pop off. And, uh, you know, the older I get, the, le- the harder it is to kind of keep in tune with them. So, um, uh, over, over the years, too, I noticed you guys, like, I- I've watched the band with Ground. Um, there might be kind of a sense of humor sometimes in the way you guys present yourself, but the-, the band itself, you guys are a tight unit when you perform. Something I did want to get to is the backing vocals. Um, you and is it uh, Michael Thomas, who's the bass player? Yes, yes, we, we do uh, backing vocals, which, you know, the vocals are pretty much, like, split up, uh, at least back in the, you know, when we first started, they were pretty much split up evenly amongst the bass player at the time, me and the vocalist. But, yeah, right now, uh, Michael Thomas is our bass player, and me and him share dual backing vocal duties. Yeah, because, um, you know, there's a lot of bands where one of the instrument uh, instrumentalists does back of, backing vocals, but I can tell you guys have put a lot of effort into synchronizing them uh, and making them more interesting than just kind of like backing up what the lead singer is doing. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? You've put a lot of effort into that. Yeah, and you want to hear the funny thing, actually. The whole uh, the whole reason we kind of had that triple vocal approach was actually because our original singer wasn't putting in much effort. So he wasn't really putting in the time to write lyrics or learn lyrics. So we were kind of like, all right, dude, I'll do this verse. You do this first, you do this part, and like everybody just had like one little piece to learn, and then the wild, you know, we started being like, wow, this actually sounds cool. It kind of sounds like spaz, you know, and, and we kind of just started rolling with that. And now, obviously, it's a con- conscious effort to try and incorporate all the different vocals and stuff. But at first, it was really kind of started because uh, we were kind of lazy at first. We just kind of wanted to write like little short things everybody could remember, you know? It kind of sounds like one guy was lazy, and then you just pull a little extra weight yeah oh uh, yeah yeah I, I, that's not uncommon for me to, <laughs> to pull uh, pull some people's weight around but <laughs> yeah that uh that's certainly the truth yeah one guy was rolling the lead and then you know he's a great guy i'm not shit talking to him but but that's kind of how it started really yeah and you guys kind of ran with it there's one video i really like of you guys performing at saint vitus in 2017 that people could watch uh it was with F- phil's no longer on vocals right Oh, he, I'm sorry. I, th- I saw a picture when I was doing the research today, man. Um, uh, so shout to Phil, first of all, your current singer. We're, we got to edit that part out. Or this guy's going to throw a bottle at me or something in, at, at Harper's Pub. But I did see a video from you guys, you guys in 2017. And if anyone's interested in what I'm getting at now, if you appreciate vocal arrangements and extreme music, uh, backing vocals, and if you've been in a band and you appreciate how hard that can be sometimes to make it interesting uh, and intricate, 
Uh, check out these guys, the 2017 Ground at St. Vitus. Look that up on YouTube. I was watching that earlier today. That's what led me to ask the question because um, obviously everybody knows I'm in like, I've been in a bunch of bands over the years and I've tried to arrange certain things over the years. And it's not always easy to get everybody in the same point, especially when somebody spends their whole life trying to play guitar and you just ask them to start screaming at it out of nowhere while they do that. I, I know that's it's not easy, man. Oh, it's not. I actually, sometimes I'm like, shit, man, I fucking hate having to do backup vocals. You know? <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of work, man. You know, like, when yeah. I'm playing with Waking the Cadaver and I'm just playing guitar, I just kind of focus on guitar. You know, with ground, I'm like, shit, I can't drink too much. I got to fucking, I got to sing. I got to, you know, I got to scream. And, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it, it adds to the, to the band, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and, uh, you know, to- talking about... Um ground and and you're kind of like also getting back into waking the cadaver um both of your bands have kind of achieved uh, a, a bit of a cult status i guess you could say in their respective scenes and earned a following uh i know ground has played uh, a lot you know out at fests and played toured around a lot and waking the cadaver has been all over the world practically at this point would you attribute any of that popularity that those bands have earned to uh driving it on and and purposely not pleasing everybody yeah I, I would think so you know when 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 i first joined waking the cadaver we were getting that was like the peak of getting ragged on online you know and <laughs> we kind of just had like uh that mentality like fuck these motherfuckers and deep down, we knew we weren't that great of a band you know and a lot of the things that people were saying to us were like you know, totally warranted but we kind of like took took that and kind of ran with it and you know we were kind of I mean sometimes we were certainly assholes about it but you know like just kind of like that became our thing like fuck you uh, doing your own thing and I kind of brought that mentality with ground too because you know that's like you know with the mixing of the genres people oh that's not real grind and you know kind of like just had that mentality of you know fuck you if you don't like it you know <laughs> go listen to some nerd shit you know <laughs> That kind of takes us, um, you know, 2018, you kept very busy with Ground um, and, uh, you know, doing other things you were working on, like you talked about. 2018, uh, by the way, shout, shout to Don Camp, uh, is it Campon? I don't, I don't want to say his last name, last name right. Campin, Don Campin. All right, shout to, I only know him as Don. Shout to Don Campin uh, of Waking the Cadaver, um, the, the vocalist, man. Good guy, I, I know him uh, behind the scenes. Uh, I'm not, not going to name drop anymore tonight, guys. But, um... Uh, you guys get together in 2018 and you decide to reform Waking the Cadaver, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's, uh, you know, it's, I, I kind of always wanted to reform Waking the Cadaver. Uh, Don, you know, obviously he's the face of the band, so, you know, I needed him to agree with me. And uh, he, he never would. He was like, come on, let's start the band back up, you know. And he was like, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. <laughs> and, uh... It's gonna be even like we tried to start a new project at the time. It was like uh, it was gonna be like Mortician actually, uh, kind of before the whole you know second you know the new wave of Mortician hype right now. Uh, we were kind of like uh, uh, going in that route. We did a couple band practices and it just wasn't really happening. And then I guess I don't know. One day Don just hit me up like you know you want to do it? Let's do it. You know. And and then we just decided that we were gonna reform the band. Yeah, and um, you guys, I you know this this is something I've always said too, man. I've always joked around with some of my bands um, when we're inactive. I was I say we should just announce that we break up, and then two years from now we'll come back and we'll have even more hype. Do you think that uh, having broken up and disappeared for all those years, like that's a big part of like why Waking the Cadaver popped so much when you guys came back? Um, you know, it's it's. I mean, it's definitely the time. I don't know if it's us necessarily breaking up. But, you know, things come in waves. So, you know, when we first came out, you know, a lot of people weren't really, you know, into the idea. But a lot of the kids, you know, heard the band when they were like 11, 12 years old. And then those kids grew up, you know. So yeah. they grew up, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Waking the Cadaver was a cool band to like, you know. Now, you know, before we were an abomination to slam. And now some kids call us True Slam, which I think is hilarious. And, um... So I guess having that time, you know, with our initial fans growing up, uh, that kind of like um, was like perfect for us, you know, especially wanting to come back. You know, we came back and we had a, I mean, honestly, I think we got a bigger fan base than before, you know. I mean, I think a lot more people were listening to the band because of how absurd it was back in the day. But I think we have way more truer fans of the band nowadays, 
And and that's, I mean, we, we talked also a lot on the show already about how the generations of Slam have kind of, you know, come to this point now where uh, you guys were a little ahead of the curve with what was going on. So, um... Uh, take us through that tour because you guys did was it one long like almost like a world tour or it was a series of tours you guys toured a lot from 2018 and 19 right yeah we did it we did uh i want to say maybe three three tours we did around this this time last year actually we did uh, uh it was 2019 rather um uh we did the tour with cognitive and cranium that that was like three weeks i believe in the united states and then in the summer of last year, we did uh, the European tour, um, which I believe, I think that was three weeks too. And, uh, you know, we hit up Death Feast, which was cool as hell, because um, I saw Waking the Cadaver on YouTube playing Death Feast in 2008 before I joined the band. I was so jealous of them. <laughs> so it was cool to, to play Death Feast and co-headline it with a, with a boarded and have such an insanely big crowd, like, going off the wall for us. It was, it was one of the most surreal feelings ever uh-huh. and then uh and it was cool to be back on tour I, at that time i hadn't been in europe in like 10 years so i felt like i was in my early 20s again it was really sick and then uh we came home for a little bit and i, I had a son uh like sh- shortly before we went to europe my, my wife is awesome for letting me go <laughs> and congratulations uh, was, thanks man thank you he's uh 10 months now but, um, uh-huh. and then the band went to Asia, uh, shortly after that. And, uh, I, I didn't go on that tour. They did it as a four piece because, you know, I couldn't be on the road so much at that time. So yeah, there was, there was you know, three tours that hit some, you know, three continents, you know, we had the, the U S uh, Europe and, and Asia. Wow, man. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it's just crazy to come back 10 years later and hit it that hard. And I assume, um, like a lot of our guests recently, you guys were you guys probably had some plans that got messed up this year because of uh, current ongoing events. Yeah, yeah, we were going to do a tour with uh, Volvadina. Mm-hmm. I can never say the name correctly. Volvadina <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, Wormhole. We were going to do a, a U.S. tour with them guys, but um, you know, unfortunately, with this whole COVID pandemic, that that didn't materialize. Yeah, we recently talked to um, uh, the guys from Wormhole, and uh, yeah, they mentioned that, man. Shout out to them. Our interview with them uh, should probably be out um, by the time people are hearing this. Uh, and, um, well, you know, we obviously, like everybody else, we hope you guys can get back to kind of a more productive uh, state, um, you, you know, in the near future, man. It's it's real uncertain times, like we were talking to, um, like we were talking about before to you. Uh, it's, it's crazy out there now. What, um... What about ground? Uh, you know, the, the last few years, has Waking the Cadaver taken away from ground, or have you guys been also working, uh, too, behind the scenes? The ground's always 100%, really, you know? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm always writing riffs for ground. Um, you know, we, we just played Maryland Death Fest last year. That was our second time. So we're staying busy. We're, ne- we're never going to go out on tour um, like Waking the Cadaver does, really. You know, we might go off a week or something like that. And if we get a chance to go overseas one time, that'd be kind of cool, but... Ground's always just more about playing to our, you know, our our local scenes, and uh, just, just write. I, I love recording albums, so that's kind of like been the goal with Ground. Really, is I just want to release material, release albums. So you know, we're working on a new album now. I don't know if it's going to be a split. I don't know if it's going to be an EP. I really don't know yet. But we're constantly working on new material. Yeah, man, awesome, man. Behind the scenes, um, and you know, one more thing about Ground too. Like I mentioned before, um, the guy's name is Michael Thomas, who's uh, your bass player, and I, I guess uh, both bands. And also, he's in Bandit, right? Yeah, he plays uh, drums for Bandit. Yeah, and that's that. We've we've spoke, Tom. I believe you brought Bandit up um, several episodes ago. Yeah, they um, talked about that, that last um, EP they put out. Too short, man. Too short. Great, great stuff. I uh, know they got to put a full length out, which they're working on right now. It's going to be awesome. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That that was excellent, high energy band right there. They're the, they're the best live band right now, like in that style of music. That I've never. I, I don't know a more fun band to see live. Like. They are going to destroy any place they play. And if the crowd's not destroying things, they're going to destroy the crowd. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, man. Yeah, because I just wanted to explain that connection quickly uh, for the listeners, because some of our listeners might be familiar with them from Tom's recommendation. Um, And speaking of recommendations, 
uh, Mike, I, I feel like I don't know if I told you about this part. I might be putting you completely on the spot. But we always ask our guests to recommend one classic older release and one newer release uh, by any artist you want. Just recommend stuff for us and for the listeners. Uh, one older and one newer. All right. So let's see. If we're going to go older, I'm going to go my favorite album of all time, which is it's a classic, so it's nothing crazy. But uh, Napalm Death from Slave to Obliteration. That's mm, uh, the Grindcore grind Bible, you know. So that's, that's yep. my favorite album, so i got to recommend that. Uh, as far as newer albums, um, I'm really digging the band Internal Rot right now from uh, Australia. They're a grindcore band. They just put out an album called Breathing Birth this year, and I haven't stopped listening to it. It's it's sick. It's, if you're a fan of uh, Excruciating Terror, Despise, you know, mm. that Insect Warfare, you know, that vein of grindcore, uh, check them out. They're, they're sick. I got a soft spot for excruciating terror, man. Oh, it's one of my all-time favorite grind bands. Classic. Wow. Okay. Awesome, man. Um, so, Mike, uh, any um, you know, we, we talked to you about uh, grind. Actually, hold on. I got one last thing before I let you off the hook, tough guy. Um, something from my notes uh, before. Well, kind of um, in the middle of all this, you were actually in the band uh, in Bludgeonment, and you performed on their Infinite Regression album, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Infinite Regrets. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I started that band. That was. Uh, I actually started that band the day I joined Waking the Cadaver. Actually, believe it or not. <laughs> like I joined one band today, but it's not enough. Got to start something else. Yeah. Well, you know, Rob was in the Adept. We were in all in the Adept, and uh, when I joined Waking the Cadaver, Rob's kind of not really liking that idea. <laughs> so he. Uh, he said, well, you know, I kind of want to focus, you know, with band members that will focus more on the band. And uh, he kind of went his own separate way and formed his own incarnation of the Adept. And uh, the guys from Embudgement started Embudgement with me. Okay. And just, that, you know, while we're on this topic of recommendations, I thought I would throw that in the conversation for our listeners. Um, it's, a, it's a good album, kind of like, a, like more of a, 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 I guess, modern for the era. Uh, traditional death metal with some melodic parts. Uh, it's it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. That was another uh, another band where we tried to kind of throw in all kinds of different things in there. Uh, mostly brutal death metal for sure. You know, it's, uh, you know, cryptopsy, suffocation. But I like to put in like kind of like those melodic parts from like Misery Index in there. And I had to, I, I had to quit the band because they were getting a little too advanced for my guitar playing. I couldn't keep up with them. I got my boy John Hartman from Mortal Decay. He's, he does a much better job than I did. So <laughs> they're, they're a stronger unit now. Well, it, it seems seems like everything fell into place uh, where it should have then uh, in, in terms of the bands, man. Um, in terms of, you know, ground and, and waking the cadaver. You were busy enough, dude. Uh, and um, speaking of busy enough, uh, as we always say on the podcast, we're going to be respectful of your time. Uh, and we're going to give you this opportunity. Any last words for um, listeners of your music? Uh, people who would accuse you of being false grind or uh, ignorant slam uh, or listeners of our show? Um, I just want to say it's people who do listen to my bands and uh, you know, support us. I want to thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Uh, for the people that hate on it, I appreciate you too because I, lo- I, I feed off that. I feed off the hate. And um, it keeps me going. So thanks to everybody, really. And thank you guys for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure, man. Really appreciate your takes. And in, in the words of uh, Mano, high hater, you know? Wait, wait. Wait a minute. All right, Mike. Thanks a lot, brother. We'll be in touch. And we uh, again, we appreciate your time, man. All right, guys. Take care. Have a good night. All right. Be safe out there. Yeah, you too, man. Yeah, you, yeah, too. you too, brother. All the best, man. All right, Mike Mayo, uh, keeping it real, man. We appreciate talking to that guy tonight, man. Thanks uh, to Mike. Uh, shout to him and to his uh, respective bandmates and band members. 
Uh, and his wife and his uh, child, man. Uh, family guy now, man. Uh, and, and keeping it real with the advice Barney Greenway gave him. Um, advice I'm going to give you guys. Uh, slow down on the coffee out there. Uh, I apologize to you, Tom and Justin. I'm uh, sprung right now off of the Lavazza. Uh, Grand Cell is the own dark roast coffee. <laughs> nice. Uh, I, I'm on my set. Yeah, I'm on my set. I'm only the good stuff. I break it out from Mike Mayo. Uh, shout, <laughs> big shout. Um, so, I, in, 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 you know, in return now, I'm going to turn it over to you guys. I want you guys to talk about some hot new recommendations, and I'm going to try to can it for a few minutes. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, let me uh, let me let me test the waters over here. Yeah, please, uh, by all means. <laughs> yeah, drag the water some more. It's nice and warm right now. Okay, so uh, I'm going to bring it to your attention. Uh, it's an album that came out uh, in 2018, but that's okay, because what the fuck day is it right now? I, you know, I still don't know. Yeah, um, yeah a, 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 a simpler time. <laughs> there we go. Uh, I'm talking about the band Noise Trail Immersion uh, out mm. of Turin, Italy, and their album Symbology of Shelter. Yeah, this is a really fun, kind of like dark and dissonant murky math core band uh kind of think like car bomb meets death spell omega uh, a little bit this 43 minute album uh, is meant to be taken in as a whole complete musical compilation split into seven tracks uh they all you know they all flow seamlessly into each other with each one kind of like displaying uh or exploring a, a new like unique depth of this blackened control chaos uh, sort of sound that they're going for um, really, yeah, really like mathy, like kind of like Dillinger in a certain sense, a little more like rhythmic quality to it. Um, kind of dips in and out of these melodramatic down tempo uh, doom pieces that offer a nice break, and uh, the contrast helps a lot of the technicality stand out with these riffs. But uh, yeah, fun, and I love the Death Spell, Death Spell Omega uh, kind of comparison with this band because I've been listening to that band a lot lately. And uh, this kind of hits hits all the points for me, man. Noise trail immersion. Yeah, I um, I found this very interesting. Uh, I totally got the Death Spell Omega reference uh, right off the bat, and that's a band. Yeah. Um, I've said this before. I, I was introduced to over the years by the Artificial Brain guys. Not a band I was kind of like naturally inclined maybe to have come across. Mm -hmm. uh, really interesting band though, and it was interesting to hear kind of that influence um, in another band because it kind of. Uh, you know, obviously that band has played a role in influencing Artificial Brain's music over the years. Uh, so when I hear other bands that are kind of overtly influenced by that, um, maybe in terms of composition and guitar work, it, it stands out to me, man. This was really cool stuff, and maybe taking um, a different perspective on some of those influences, man. That's definitely a, a hot recommendation, worth going back in time for. For sure. What am I into? Um, I'm bringing in an older one tonight. I'm bringing in the album Teenage Giallo Grind by yes. Gruesome Stuff Relish from Spain. Uh, it's their 2002 strong. release on Razorback Records. Coming in strong, Tom. Take it over. Yeah, actually, <laughs> uh, you, you introduced me to this band a long time ago when we first started uh, shooting shit about Grindcore and whatnot. And um, yeah, you told me to check it out. And... Man, it sticks with you. There, I, I can't really... I can compare a lot of elements of this band to other bands, but the package is very unique, and I, I really enjoy what these guys put down. Um, it, it's mostly grindcore, but there's this element of rock and roll, certain way they bend the mm -hmm. notes and the riffs, these bubbling, gurgling vocals, pitch-shifting, uh, super thick-sounding, super quick songs, but... They all have, like, their own life to them. It's not like some other grindcore releases that I do enjoy where, you know, it's it's uh, this is a 45-minute... I mean, 45-second blast song, and the next one's a, a minute and eight-second blast song. Uh, they, they, there's, like, a nice dynamic flow through it uh, for, for something that's so disgusting and makes you feel greasy and you need to brush your teeth to. 
Um, it, it pulls it off really well. Um, it, it creative writing all around. Um, I'm into the samples that they use. Uh, this is this is how I like samples. Um, I, I get I get the mortician thing where you want that super long kind of um, theatrical style sample, but this is just like kind of just removes you from the disgusting sounds that they're making just for a few seconds there, and then brings you right back in. All their samples are from Giallo films, which are uh, it's an Italian film movement that started in the late 60s, very heavily in the 70s, uh, to the late 80s, or early 80s. Um, films with gruesome murders, uh, crime stuff, experimental um, prosthetic effects. So I think that they kind of capture that sonically between the samples and then the hokiness of some of the songwriting while still being very entertaining. It's a good namesake, Teenage Giallo Grime. It works. Yeah, and... Uh- uh, I it speaks to um, that kind of era that Razorback Records movement. I, re- I remember this because um, I could go on a little tangent here. Uh, shout to uh, Billy Nocera and uh, Jill Girardi, um, who uh, started Razorback Records many many years ago, right here on Long Island, uh, and um, released a lot of those seminal records. Uh, you know this this one in particular that you're talking about, also uh, records by Ghoul, Engorged, uh, Machitazo. Lots of bands, and it was this really cool early 2000s wave of gore grind that was celebrating the classic old school gore grind in a way um, that I think was trying to get back to the roots because like we've talked about on the podcast, gore grind was kind of tapped into extremity by that point. I mean, there's only so many, especially at that point with the um, the internet uh, not being as, you know, things not being as available as they are today. How many gore pictures, explicit autopsy pictures can you find? How much more crazy and uh, obscene can you get after anal birth, after Last Days of Humanity? I felt like the Razorback Records movement was more getting back to horror movies. Um, the old EC comics, uh, Tales from the Crypt, things like that. And what you said about the Giallo movies, that's uh, that exemplifies the point I'm trying to make exactly, is that instead of just trying to push it to, uh, here's a picture of a dead body, um, here's my crazy song lyrics, they instead uh, zoomed in and specialized into like a specific niche of horror movie rather than just like the overall theme of horror. And, and a lot of the other old Razorback records did that in their own way. Yeah, yeah um, I, I think it's a good way to add on to something like Gore Grind. Um, you need to, if, if you're going to change a genre, you can't just always make it more and more extreme. You need to introduce other elements. That's how it grows. It can't just be all right. Well, this is how fast the, the you know the fast the last days of humanity songs go. We have to do that faster. That doesn't make you a better gore grind band. What what it makes you is just pushing it. If you want to do that, that's fine. But Razorback Records is an example um, of a bunch of bands thinking outside the box, and that's why I like that label. Yeah, a hundred percent. This and you know I I um I used to I I've fallen out of touch with Billy Nocera over the years. Shout to him if he hears this. Like I said, but um, I was in touch with him a lot, specifically in that era, the, the early 2000s and the late 90s. Uh, we would exchange tapes and talk sometimes. And I know that at that point, he was really influenced and inspired by, as he's always been, by the band Impetigo. Right. Um, and and kind of, he I know he wanted to get back to that uh, retro gore grind and uh, old school cult death metal kind of vibe with, with the label and what he was curating. And this, this release in particular is one of my favorites from that whole um, wave because uh, you said something, too, that has um, like a classic gore grind feel, but there's kind of like a rock and roll thing. I feel like they uh, they took Reek of Putrefaction and maybe Symphonies of Sickness era Carcass um, and injected rock into it in ways that are more effective for me personally than what Carcass ended up doing with the death and roll thing. Uh, this, to me... Like, this is how you inject rock into gore grind, in my opinion, man. And I've always loved this album, too, because I love Reek of Putrefaction by Carcass, and I feel like this, like that's a big thing here. You know, that's a big uh, uh, inspiration, probably. Yeah, absolutely. So if you don't know, go check out Teenage Giallo Grind by Gruesome Stuff Relish. And check out the rest of their discography. And check out Razorback Records while you're at it.
Okay, so I recommended uh, Italian coffee. Shout to uh, Lavazza from uh, Torino, Italia, established 1895. Um, Justin recommended Italian metal music. Uh, Tom, you recommended a band from Spain that caters specifically to a niche Italian horror genre. Yes, I'm. Uh, right now, uh, uh, I'm going to say uh, ciao to all of our Italiano friends because we're going to take uh, the subgenre marine and we're going to we're going we're going to go right over to Poland. I don't even know if that's possible. It's like a landmass there. I don't even know what what waterway you take. Shout to our European listeners. Because I'm going to recommend you guys Mental Casket from Warsaw, Poland uh, today with their 2020 demo. Um, it's just 2020 demo. It's their second demo. It's got three songs. Uh, if you're looking for it, it was released by Head Split Records in the U.S. and Howl Chain Records in uh, Polska. And um, this is just magnifique, raw, uh, old school style death metal. In the death vibe, uh, the band admittedly is inspired by old school death and other Florida acts. And I gotta admit, I um, I did peep their 2019 demo after I heard this, and uh, that's cool. But this 2020 demo, uh, with all due respect, shows a lot of progress on their behalf. Um, they, they they recorded both of these demos apparently in a rehearsal room with the help of an engineer. And I gotta admit, it has a great sound, and they've captured this, the sound you want for this type of death metal. Um, it doesn't sound like the boombox hissy quality, but it's it's got that really nice raw vibe with the amount of clarity that you want. Uh, really raw old school death metal. And the thing that sticks out to me about this band, because we could say raw old raw old school death metal all day um, mm-hmm. and stay on Bandcamp all day with that vibe. And shout out to those bands. There's a lot of good ones, but. These guys um, specifically, I think, try to pay tribute to Scream Bloody Gore and Leprosy era death. Um, But they do it particularly on this demo through the lenses of somebody who's also familiar with the later death catalog. So if that makes sense, um, you're kind of getting that that Leprosy and Scream Bloody Gore old school raw death vibe. But through the instrumentation, the composition, the solos, particularly I'd say the bass work on this, it sounds like musicians who are familiar with the whole catalog of death and the, um, the spectrum of Floridian death metal, so to speak. So you're getting not just like a, a copy off of a particular album, you're getting a band that really, I feel, is invested in the work of, of death and um, like-minded acts and is trying to... Or at least succeeding at doing um, something inspired by that, man. So I got those. De- I also got a lot of the old school uh, Swedish vibes, um, like Nihilist, Carnage, Old Entombed, that sort of thing on it. Uh, and the bass stands out so much more on this 2020 demo compared to the 2019 demo, and it makes all the difference. The bass work on this uh, complements the work so much, uh, the rest of the work. <clears throat> and it's like I said, it's just a big step up in writing and overall sound from the 2019 demo to the point where I would be very interested to hear a full length by this band or whatever they work on next. I can't recommend this enough. Mental Casket from Warsaw, Poland, with their 2020 uh, second demo, man. So I'm going to have my coffee, and I'm going to listen to Mental <laughs> Casket and Jean Dobry to all of our uh, Polish listeners. I was listening to this and having, like, still... I'm still kind of in the, the middle of my uh, kind of death exp- exploration making up for oh, the last yeah, time yeah. and this band like instantly just reminded me like that it, it was raw like the first two records I felt a lot of spiritual healing like progression into it but what you said about like knowledge of the later records it's like a greatest hits of Florida metal you know like yeah, in, yeah. In, in, in a newer band uh, I'm glad that like they in their bio or whatever or the description of this demo that they kind of mentioned that you know, I think that makes it a little bit better or a little more digestible um, than if it was just like, yo, this is a new band, this is our new shit, and it was totally ripping off that vibe. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and like, so respect to that, uh, you know, that they that they kind of said what they were going for. Yeah, man, and you know, and shout shout to there's bands out there that I think are very overt about how much they're um, how much they take from death. You know, let's just say that um, uh, without mentioning names. And that's all good, man. Not to knock those guys, uh, no. but this is a band that I feel is just kind of trying to um, be inspired, uh, not so much aesthetically, 
but uh, re you know, really musically and, and compositionally in in a, um, in a new way by taking that and and pushing it further where they would have wanted to take it. You know, so yeah, good good band. I, I'm really interested in this demo. Okay, thanks, guys. Um, I, we, you guys want to do another interview right now or something? Because I'm I'm zooming off of this Lavasa. <laughs> Listen, Mike Mayo is the guy. Uh, Ground is the band. Waking the Cadaver is the other band, and we appreciate his time tonight uh, telling us his story uh, and some behind the scenes things about the band. Um, you can follow both those bands in the usual places, the usual social medias. Uh, figure it out for yourself. But when it comes to us. HeavyHolePodcast.com is where you can go. Uh, you want to leave us a voicemail. You want to shoot us over a little bit of the old email. You want to follow us on your favorite social media platform of choice. Um, maybe you just want to order a pack of stickers. Uh, maybe there's even a promo code. I'm going to let Justin take it away on that note. All right. I mean, I'm not as jacked up, but I'll try, I'll try it, brother. Uh, you know. <laughs> oh, oh, shaking, bro. <laughs> All you got to do is is type in, you know, heavyholepodcast.com. You go slash shop. Uh, you're there. You click on the sticker pack. It asks you for a promo code if you're so generous, so wanting of sticky things with beautiful images on them to put in places you're allowed to or maybe you're not allowed to. But who cares? This is your will. This is what you want to do. A uh, little box comes up promo code enter it do you know it hmm maybe i forgot it maybe i'm not listening when i should be listening maybe i just quit at the end of the interview because i got other things to do i don't know well i'm here to tell you now just listen to your heart hear what's in your head already oh. type in that promo code chunky riffs you already know it it's been there forever chunky riffs free shipping i'm paying for it i'm running out of money so it's not gonna be there forever let's go heavyholepodcast.com slash shop chunky riffs stick it everywhere on yourself what uh, all I heard was was stick it everywhere and something about beautiful images and sticky and uh, my name was in there. So that's Justin allegedly zooming off of the Lavazza as well. And I'm just the even cool Tom, healthy Tom. He's got Tom. something on his mind. Tom's not even he's not even eating red meat anymore. I'm over here like drinking mainlining Italian dark roast coffee. Jesus, I gotta get my life together. Um, but How many more cups do you think you're going to have before you go to bed? One. <laughs>